You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. It is our Wednesday stock up, stock down feature. We're going around the league, checking in on players, teams, coaches, whatever, and whose stock is rising and whose stock is falling in our minds. And we've got some news that we need to get into this uh, this new COVID situation in Tennessee, and we have some clarification on games that are not happening now Sunday. From the best-selling author's of the Daily Stoic comes the ultimate stoicism guide to success, resilience, and virtue to accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can. A philosophy sports teams across the country are successfully adapting. Lives of the Stoics, the art of living from Zeno to Marcus Aurelius is available now wherever books are sold. All right, Matt, let's let's start with this. And it impacts the, the team you cover, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it is official now, the league has ruled. The game between the Steelers and Titans will be postponed Sunday what's interesting is they're trying to figure out if they're going to have this game maybe Monday night and reschedule it then or reschedule for Tuesday it would seem strange just to reschedule it for one day Uh, maybe I I, I agree though with the overall idea and correct me if I'm wrong here and you know it definitely benefited the Steelers but you can't have a team not practice all weekend and we go here you go okay play a game Sunday yeah I mean there's some talk that it gives you another day's worth of testing and results I don't know enough about, I'm not a doctor. So, I mean, I, I guess that's helpful, but it, just from a football perspective, I, I'm with you in that if it would have been a Sunday game, and fortunately they don't have to travel, they would have had a walkthrough on Saturday played on Sunday. Now, at least you would have a real practice Saturday, a walkthrough Sunday, play Monday, or a real practice Saturday, a real practice Sunday, a walk through Monday, play Tuesday. So it makes perfect sense. I mean, I guess what I haven't given thought is how does it affect these teams the next week or going forward, which isn't that big a deal. I mean, you play on Monday night all the time. And I mean, we all love Thursday night games, but for the players, it's not necessarily the best thing. And for the teams with short weeks. So Tuesday would add to that. I'm sure, but I mean, playing on a Tuesday, then playing again Sunday is probably better than playing Sunday and then playing Thursday, right? That's that's a, that's a bigger yeah, gap. Right. And for for me, give me a Tuesday game. That would be amazing, if, and especially if it was maybe a game that everyone could watch instead of uh, just you know those in the local market spread it out for one extra day. Two Monday nighters, I always love that. Uh, I have no problem with that. I and to be honest with you, yeah, let's go. Let's do a Tuesday game every week, as far as I'm concerned, uh, as long as it works out with the players. And I know this is going to be a one time deal, but. I'm all for it if it's if it makes sense and uh, it gets the season rolling and they get everything fixed and they feel good about it and the teams are okay with it and sign off football on Tuesday. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, from a selfish Steelers perspective, for me, I love when they play an isolated game because I have to watch every snap of that game and know it backward and forward. So when they're a spotlight game, I can spend a lot more time on one o'clock paying attention to the rest of the league. So I like that part of it. Um, I just pulled up the schedule grid because I wanted to check what it looked like going forward. You know, just an FYI, the, the Titans buy is week seven. The Steelers is week eight. So obviously, if that would have correlated by chance, coincidentally, that probably would have been the move. Otherwise, I don't think you can move things around that much. A Tuesday game seems a little rough 
you know, just in terms of preparing for the next week. But at least both these teams are home. The Steelers host the Eagles in week five and Tennessee hosts Buffalo. So if you would be Tuesday, which I think Monday makes more sense, you get a full practice at least, then, you know, you go home and you at least don't have to travel the following week. There are some names now associated with this because the the Titans had to put some players on the reserve COVID-19 list. And those players were defensive lineman Dequan Jones, long snapper Bo Brinkley, and practice squad tight end Tommy Hudson. Uh, those players have been placed on reserve. We don't know who the other staff members are. Um, and a quote from Mike Vrabel said, some of them are indeed experiencing flu-like symptoms, but nothing out of the ordinary. We anticipate they will feel better shortly. So uh, I guess there's that good news, and I guess we can trust Mike Vrabel to say that it's not out of the ordinary to have those flu-like symptoms. I would call that uh, maybe not, maybe a little bit out of the ordinary for, uh, little, yeah. for what's going on, uh, what, what those players expected when they when their plane landed. But um, yeah, I want to talk about those names real quick. Though. Yeah, sure. The well, practice squad tight end, no offense, dude, but yeah. you don't matter. That, yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll take that all day. I mean, right. so it could have been three worse names, that's for sure. Jones is a good player. I mean, he's a part of the defense, better run stuffer than pocket pusher, but he's a good player that, you know, factors in. But it's not like any different if he were to twist his ankle and we were like, oh, Jones is out. But, you know, it's not going to move the needle dramatically. I know this sounds weird, but I want to talk about the long snapper because yeah. I talked about this a lot for on, this, on my Steelers show when we were talking about these expanded um, practice squads that you wonder, what if you lose a kicker, a punter, or a long snapper? Like, you're not going to keep one of those guys on your practice squad, but with COVID, can you go get one off the street? and get them cleared in time to be ready, you know, depending when the game is. And I don't know what their emergency long snapper situation is, but there's a reason you keep one that you trust. And these teams, when they when they find one they like, they keep them for 10 years. So they're not like readily available on the street. And I bring it up specifically because the Titans, I, I know their, their kicker, Goskowski, has redeemed himself and he was great this past week, but he was terrible in week one. And if that battery, that snapper holder kicker, they're like best buds to spend every, every minute together at practice. Like it's not, it doesn't just happen overnight to get a new one in there and get that timing. Perfect. So I had thought about that a lot going into the season what if you lose your kicker, your punter, your long snapper to COVID? You at least have a backup guard on your practice squad. I mean, can you functionally get one in and pass all the regulations in time? And it's going to be new and it's going to screw things up. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we've talked about this a lot with the 49ers this week because they're actually meeting with punters and having workout or um, oh, okay. long snappers and having workouts this week, too, because I don't know if you saw the – Kyle Nelson, who's the longest tenured 49er currently, been a long snapper for a very long time. He became the longest tenured Niner once Joe Staley retired. Uh, he had the yips last week, and uh, Kyle Shanahan got super worried. He missed five long snaps. One of the field goals wow. for Robbie Gold was missed because of this, and then they had to, you know, have a, you know, the, the punter tried to make, make a pass on another play, and, you know, just one of those um, plays that didn't look good, and luckily it didn't hurt the 49ers, but... Um, it's really important, and we found out that the backup long snapper was backup offensive tackle 
Justin School. You know, nobody really knew that. And he came in and he long sure. snapped one. And everything was fine. I always wondered why it's not a center that is a long snapper period or even uh, the backup long snapper in some cases. And I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with running down on special teams and, and covering kicks. Right. And you know, maybe you don't want to run. Right. right. And you don't want to get somebody hurt either. Who's a prime backup for you if, you. if you get your offensive tackle hurt and now you don't have a long snapper. Now you don't have a. Uh, a backup tackle or something like that or a backup offensive lineman. So there's a lot of reasons. And they also, the time they put in, it's like uh, it's a different sport almost in, in snapping a ball yeah. with, with what their, how their brain and, and mind and hands and body and, and everything is just this one motion that they can do so well and so perfect. Uh, and it was really wild to see someone who's been doing it at a really high level for a long time in the NFL and Kyle Nelson all of a sudden get the yips and he was distraught on the sideline hands on his head he he didn't know what was going on he could it was chuck knoblock right and so um <laughs> it was that was really wild to see and you don't think about it until you lose one or one starts having problems and all of a sudden it starts taking points off the board right i mean i remember when it started to be common the teams would keep a long snapper and that's all they did and i, I was young thinking really you don't have a better <laughs> roster spot for that guy but you see the difference. I mean, I'm sure that backup tackle didn't kill the team in that instance. But if he had to snap it 10 times, two of them would have been bad. And all the special teams out coaches out there are sitting there at their stopwatch going, wow, it takes point X seconds further to get back yeah. there. You know, it comes in on a loop and it falls like, you know, it that doesn't come in like a bullet. We're going to block this kick. I mean, it's that fine line of a, a, a of a situation. And, I, and I've said this for a long time that uh, I think the easiest way to get a football scholarship in the world is teach your five year old the long snap <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? since day one. My Don't, son's no, two right now. So. A grandeur. You're not ever going to throw it. Yeah. You're going to snap the ball. You're going to get run over on field goal and PATs and on punt. You're going to run down and make a tackle, son. Yeah, I can't wait to set up the target with my son, who's two right now, and start getting that velocity up and getting that perfect spiral between the legs. Yeah, get a nerf that ball for now. It's never too early. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's do stock. Uh, oh, you know what? One more note here on uh, – let, let's wait. Uh, one more note when it comes to the COVID-19 situation and how it impacts the, the Minnesota Vikings, who haven't had their facility open to start the week either. More coming up. Stock up, stock down on Peacock and Williamson. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by name. Always give back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses and while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. So we've we've kind of got some clarity here with the situation with the Titans and the Steelers game coming up Sunday. It'll be played maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday. Maybe it'll get postponed altogether. We'll find out there. Uh, I'm, the more we talked about it, though, I got excited about an extra Monday night game or, or Tuesday game. So... The Minnesota Vikings, who precautionary because there's an incubation period. So their original tests that happen Monday morning, you can kind of throw those out because there's an incubation period. So if they were to catch COVID-19 from one of the players Sunday, it might not start showing up until later in the week. But now we've seen more negative tests. And so it's starting to look a lot better that 
maybe the Minnesota Vikings didn't catch any of it from the Tennessee Titans, which is a which is a very good sign. So no mm-hmm. no other games will likely be uh, interrupted, and we'll find out more about uh, the Vikings' upcoming games and and when they'll be allowed to go back to practice there. But that's that's also good news. So it looks like it's isolated yeah. to one team at least right now. Right, right. So uh, I don't have a lot more to add to that, but I'm glad we mentioned it. I mean, uh, it looks like it's not so bad as we sit here on Wednesday afternoon. All right, let's start stock up, stock down with this because I have one, and it relates to what we're going through in this. You know, a lot of new rules and a lot of new protocols that are in place in this season due to COVID-19. And I think there are some things that the the NFL has to keep going forward. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way teams are able to work remotely and work from home and get some coaches and some scouts and some personnel people in the offseason some time with their families. I think that was pretty cool. And so they can utilize that more to their benefit. Teams can. Um, but the other thing that I'm seeing so far this year that I love, and I don't understand why the rules were the way they were before, but short-term injured reserve needs to stay forever. I love this because teams can utilize it and it's important and you need to have your team at full strength going into, uh, a game each week and putting, it's just like, you know, major league baseball having the disabled list, which is actually shortened in recent years as well. That's a 10 day DL now. So having to put a player who's maybe not hurt that bad, on IR, maybe lose them for half a season and only be able to pull two of those guys back or maybe lose them for the entire season and ruin their career and their development for, say, a young player that you have to make a tough decision on an injury that's only going to keep them out for two weeks, but they end up losing their whole entire rookie season. I mean, that's not right. So short-term IR, unlimited number of people on and off. I love that. That's got to stay. I love it too. I mean, the only negative is people can cheat and be like, Johnny's got a hangnail. We're going to stick him on IR because yeah. we don't want to cut him and we're going to bring him back to camp next year. Okay. I mean, if that, that happens once in a while, so be it because it's so worth it. And it always bothered me that you could only have one guy on, you know, the, the old rules were really dumb. The more you think about it, oh, I yeah. didn't like them then. And now, I mean, again, I keep saying this, that what everybody wants, especially the fans is the best players on the field as much as possible. Well, if you're got, if you used to have a six week injury, then they put you on IR, poof, you were done and nobody got to see you again. Or they held on to you for six weeks and somebody didn't get your roster spot for those six weeks who at least could give the team a try or get better people out there. So uh, I love it. Uh, I think, you know, uh, history has shown us that when tragedies hit, Good things come out because we have to zig when we would have zagged, you know, and this is one of the few things in the NFL that I think is better as a result of COVID. And I think to add to that, I would absolutely keep short term IR, but I would I don't think the practice squad rules need to continue. Uh, the, the practice squads were big enough before an extra 10 players, I think, is fine protecting practice squad players. I mean, I don't think you should be able to stash everybody. We're talking about 53-man roster. Now teams might cheat with the IR, have a couple guys there, and now you're protecting players on the practice squad. No, if, a, if there's a guy on the practice squad and another team can use him on their active roster, you, can't, you shouldn't be able to just stash a player away and not allow them to go be a player and actually suit up for a team somewhere else. So that's one thing I would not take. So I want to add that to it as well. So there are some things that I think they're doing this season that that makes sense that we don't want to keep going forward. Short-term IR is absolutely something's got to stay. Uh, what do you got? Yeah. What else? You got uh, real quick, uh, also on that, just so oh, people sure. remember when the new CBA was signed before anyone knew what COVID was practice squad squads were beefed up. So then they were beefed up a second time. Once the, the, the virus hit, I, I'm fine with the original beef up and then going back to that as is yep. the CBA. 
Part of me likes all these extra guys that are outside your 53, though, because anyone that's been following me over the years knows my love affair with a minor league system. Well, this is a little bit like that. You know, I mean, it's it's sort of it's in that neighborhood, at least now that there's a lot more people to develop for the future. And we might look back four years from now at the Bears starting quarterback and be like, boy, he would have got cut and they end up keeping him on the practice squad, developing, developing him, and he ended up having a good career. That's a great point. Like if expanded uh, practice squads leads to more of a minor league system where we see affiliated players, because any minor league system, XFL, whatever it's going to be, if it's going to really work, it has to be affiliation because that's what will get fans' attention and get them tuning in to watch the guys that might at some point be the 53rd man on the roster and then maybe a backup and then maybe a starter on their team in the future. So that is super important to me. So if that's the case, because you know instead of having 10 guys in your practice squad, you have 16, and then now you're sending half of those guys to the affiliated team and you know however they work that out, I mean, that's a lot more fun. And then we get to see mm-hmm. some spring football and, and you get some actual development. But just having some grunts that are never going to make it and you're stashing them away and keeping them from other teams, I, I don't like that aspect of the practice squad. Minor league affiliation, oh, they got it's got to happen, Matt. It's got to happen. <laughs> uh, here's a stock up for you that I started digging around numbers and team stats and things like that after three games, two to seem so little. Um, the Colts defense, like I knew they were playing well. And I realized that they they played, you know, at Jacksonville, hosted the Vikes when the Vikes were really struggling. And then you play the Jets, which is going to pad any defense's numbers. That being said, they're averaging only 4.4 yards per play allowed. The second best in the league is all the way at 4.7 in a league where points are, you know, points and yardage are spiking like crazy. And even nuts, more nuts is they allow, they're the, they're the best yards per game defense in the league by 65 yards. (laughs) The Steelers are second in yards allowed per game, but the Colts are 65 yards better than them. I mean, that's nuts. And your boy DeForest Buckner, I think, deserves some some praise. I read today on Pro Football Focus, that, and I was blown away by this. Although I knew he was, you know, better than last year. Xavier Rhodes is Pro Football Focus's number one ranked corner. Holy smokes! I, <laughs> I love that Xavier yeah. Rhodes was on my list. He had a pick six oh, last good? week. Yeah, because he was left for dead. It was like, well, he's done. He's washed. That's over. Uh, he's at least for the short term resurrected his career there. And I and I love. Why and and I love that you mentioned that that Colts team because they're a team I liked coming in. Eh, it's kind of sputtered to start. Like what what are they going to look like here? Uh, I like I just like the direction they're going. I don't know what the final results are going to be, but um, you're right, a large improvement there. And I actually had Xavier Rhodes as one of my stock ups. Yeah, because uh, I mean he was a super talented player. He's one of the best corners in the league for a long time. He fell off so quickly. It's like what's going on there? Uh, we're seeing a little resurrection with him. Maybe a better scheme fit. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought them up because that's absolutely a good one. Yeah. Who else you got? Uh, let's see. I've got, I've, I talked rookie wide receivers, so I have a a number of players I want to just touch on really quick week one. I didn't know how rookies were going to get going in this new environment with, uh, such a, an odd off season. And we've seen it with Herbert and Burrow now, and the, the rookies weren't hurt and which is blowing my mind really. Um, but just wanted to check back in on rookie wide receivers here after a few weeks now. And a few more have made their presence known. I don't want to cover any more that I covered in week one, but Justin Jefferson broke out seven catches, 175 yards and a touchdown. 
He's got such a unique route running style that I noticed in college, and I was wondering, man, are they just calling a bunch of option routes? Is that why he runs his routes a certain way? The way he releases off the line of scrimmage, he does like this skip move, and it's a little Devontae Adams-ish sometimes, um, but he gets open, man, and uh, he's taken that to the NFL, and it's pretty much every route you see him do this slow play where he skips off the line and then makes his move, uh, and it's pretty effective. I don't know if uh, they're going to be able to make adjustments, and DBs will be able to start to shut that down and maybe get their hands on him so he can't pull that off, but... Justin Jefferson definitely had a breakout there for the Vikings with 175 yards and a long touchdown. Brandon Ayuk getting heavily involved for the Niners, eight touches. Hey, one Jefferson note before oh, you sure. move on, if you don't mind. Yeah. I just read it you know, right before the podcast. was it, The first two weeks, he ran, give or take, I don't know the numbers in front of me, about 85% of his routes from the slot, which he did a very high percentage at LSU. This past week, he ran about 85% of his routes from the outside. Right. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the things. So you're off the line of scrimmage a lot of times in the slot and you have a two way go. That's why I thought he had his route running style. He's been able to translate that to the NFL and on the outside, which is a huge key because it was one of the questions I had about him. So that's a that's a big stock up for me. Uh, Actually. okay, let's hold on. I've got three more rookie wide receivers I want to highlight here. I've got another stock down. Matt, I'm sure you have some stock ups. Stock down. We'll finish this up on Locked On. Nope. On the Peacock and Williams. (laughs) A couple more rookie wide receivers here to highlight, Matt, and I'll toss it back to you. Brandon Ayuk got involved uh, big time in his in week three for the Niners, his second week because he didn't play week one. Eight touches. They were manufacturing ways to get him the ball, handing it off to him. 101 total yards and a rushing touchdown. T. Higgins had a pair of touchdown catches in week three. And Gabriel Davis, uh, he was drafted in the fourth yeah, round by Buffalo and is not a player that we've really talked about here a lot, but uh, he was getting heavily involved as well. Four catches for 81 yards there in Buffalo. And I'm sure there's some other rookie wide receivers that are showing up that I'm forgetting. Uh, By the way, Jalen Rager, not one of them. He went on IR. So uh, that's unfortunate for him. He's been banged up to start his career. But uh, there are a number of rookie wide receivers that have absolutely shown up early in the season and playing. So I'm throwing out my entire offseason of preaching that slow your roll on expectations for rookies. Nope. Expect everything because they're showing up already. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, I think people have adjusted better than we thought. You know, I mean, that they don't stand out. A oh, boy, he can't get on the field. He doesn't know what he's doing. There's many more. I'm think I'm sure we could list as well. I mean, the obvious names. Judy looks really good despite some drops. Lamb looks awesome, really, and is yep. fighting Gallup and Cooper for you know, and uh, tooth and nail for touches. My man Claypool looks really good too. Uh, there's plenty. I mean, we knew this was a great receiver class, and it is living up to it. Absolutely. And maybe we'll see what we get out of Rugs. Yeah, Rugs is not looking like he's going to play. Uh, it's tough for the speedsters when they get those soft tissue injuries, and you want them to be 100% so they can open it up. And Brian Edwards as well, who's you know playing a lot early and not really producing huge numbers, looks like he's banged up. So they might lose both rookies this week uh, in Las Vegas. Um, yeah, Judy can obviously get open. He had a problem with the drops, especially that one game. It could have been a game decider if he caught one of those passes, and now he's got some quarterback issues there. So I don't know how the numbers are going to stack up for Judy, but he absolutely just came out of the gate, and that dude's going to be able to get open for a very long time. I love Lamb's physicality, his ability to go up and get the ball. I don't know if his top speed or his run after catch is going to translate from college to the NFL, so I don't, I don't know if we're looking at a game-breaking player. Really, the best comp is DeAndre Hopkins, though. He can be a target hog. He is so natural. Like, his ball skills are awesome. So, he's, he's mm-hmm. at worst, he's going to be someone who moves the chains and 
uh, is able to just swallow up every pass thrown his way, which is going to be awesome. And I want to see if there's more game breaker in him where he's making plays down the field and making more plays after the catch because we haven't even seen a lot of that yet, and he's already been super productive. Yeah, absolutely. What do you got? I have two running back stocks up, and I think the obvious one is Kamara. After watching the show that he put on this past week with everybody watching, um, but I didn't realize, I mean, right now he's the, the top fantasy asset of all. And his the points that he's put up over three weeks is the second most by any running back ever in the first three weeks of the season, which is crazy. And then the other guy I wanted to mention we kind of talked about before was the Vikings with Dalvin Cook. Like, it wasn't Cook's problem when or his fault when things were going bad those first two weeks with the Vikes offense. He looked as good as ever, as elusive as ever, and then he finally, you know, really put on a great show this past week. I just didn't want those guys to be forgot. And again, this is another fantasy note that, you know, since the start of 2019, Christian McCaffrey is the most productive running back in the league, obviously, from what he did last year. But Cook and Kamara are right behind him, or, or you know, or second and third. I mean, they've been great. And Cook is, has at least 70 rushing yards or scored a touchdown in 17 of his last 18 healthy games. So uh, Kamara and Cook are guys that they've just invested in. They're doing their share and more. I've got a stock down right now when it comes to running backs uh, and, and maybe a stock up to go along with it. Derrick Henry is carrying the ball at a level that is not going to last, basically, is, is the best way I can put it. Like right now, it looks fine for yeah. Derrick Henry. He's carried the ball 82 times already, and, and they essentially don't even have a backup running back hardly with the way they're using their running backs right now. Um Derrick Henry's on pace to have to shatter the record of the most carries in an NFL season for a running back. It, I just you, you can't keep that up. So pace for Derrick Henry's touches. The Titans have to figure out some way to get other running backs involved yeah. or Derrick Henry's not going to last. You invest in a running back like that. And I know you want to use him a lot, but you've got to work in some other running backs. So if if I was advising people out there, maybe the stock up to this is. Darrington Evans, the rookie speedster who was hurt to start the year. He's only carried the ball, what, three times, I think, so far this season. He's got to get utilized either because they have to, because they have no choice, because Henry's not available at all, or they have to start working in some other backs. So uh, I'm buying stock in backup running backs because you, you can't give the ball to Derrick Henry 450 times. You just can't. Yeah, I mean, 27, 28 times a game, no matter what, sometimes more. I don't care who he is. Right. It's not going to hold up. Sticking with the running back theme, and some of this is because I drafted him the first round, the usage of Joe Mixon's making me a little crazy. You know, like, this is another Steeler note. Like, the, I've talked to Steeler coaches, and they always loved when Gio Bernard would come in late in the game and when the Bengals are often trailing the Steelers because he can't pass protect, and they would blitz right at him, and he'd get run over. Well, in all these hurry-up situations, this coaching staff keeps trotting out Gio Bernard, too. And, you know, I just talked about Cook and uh, Kamara. You pay this guy big money. He's a great receiver. Use him till the wheels come off. Use him like we're just talking about with Henry. So the Bengals' use of Joe Mixon is a stock down, and I'm going to correlate that with their pass protection, too, which is just horrible. And if you ask Burrow to drop back, it's almost like Henry running that many times. Yeah. The body's just not going to hold up. Yeah, absolutely. You see it coming. You're like, okay, there's 
there's two trains that are on the same track and they're about <laughs> right. to collide. Like figure something out before that collision happens. Like divert one of those trains. And one thing could help the other, you know, right. utilize mix in more and, you know, get Burroughs health, you know, keep, keep an insurance policy for his body. My last one here is a stock down and it's Philadelphia Eagles head coach, Doug Peterson. They're uh, on my list too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I put a poll out there after last weekend's games and I said, okay, who, which fan base is more disappointed right now in their team's head coach, uh, Eagles fans, Falcons fans, Jets fans, or Giants fans. I think it should be Eagles fans because expectations should have been higher. Who the, the Falcons actually won this poll by a lot and definitely some disappointment there in Atlanta, the but it's, it's almost yeah. more of the same, you know, so it definitely stocked down for Dan Quinn and what's going on with the Falcons and finding ways to lose. But I think expectations were higher and Doug Peterson right now seems like he doesn't have any answers and Carson Wentz getting worse. Like everything points to bad coaching and the way that game ended in overtime is almost like, okay, what is going on? Right now. And one other thing that really jumped out to me with Peterson is last week. This was before the overtime game, by the way. Uh, Peterson had a little spar with a reporter. Peterson said, quote, have you played quarterback in the National Football League before? When a reporter brought up maybe Wentz missing some easy throws. The reporter said, I have not. And Peterson said, "Okay, they're not layups. So Doug Peterson played quarterback in the NFL. Is those throws aren't layups for Wentz specifically? For all QBs or just Doug Peterson? Because they might not have been layups for Doug Peterson, but maybe they should be for Carson Wentz. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. and, and I always hate the you didn't play in the NFL thing. That crutch it's, makes me crazy. Oh, it's such yeah. a tired response. Media, like, and it's, it's you the, know the big fat guy in the front row that's yeah. sitting there holding a clipboard did not play in the media. You know? Right. And yeah, and what you know, what publication have you written for? You know, like there we have different jobs here, right? Our, our job is to watch football and we're pretty good about it and we report on what we see. And it's the biggest it's such a tired response because it's the biggest tell for a coach or player that doesn't have any answers. And Doug Peterson doesn't have any answers, so he, he has to resort to that. And, and that really worries me when you see that kind of stuff happening back-to-back, stock big down for, uh, for Doug Peterson right now with the Eagles. They're, they seem like they're in trouble. Yeah. Again, I mean, that reporter should almost be like, no, sir, I haven't. But have you ever asked head coaches questions to write to call them about? Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? yeah. Like, they're different jobs. You know, I'm doing my job here. And you let's know, trade salaries yeah. while we're at it, huh? Yeah, right, right. Um, last note on that, they have a losing record since winning the Super Bowl. I mean, things oh, have not gone yeah. well for a while now. It's not just, boy, I feel bad for the Eagles. They've had a lot of injuries. Yes, they have. But this has been a long stretch of not so great play. It's rough, man. It's rough. Uh, do you have any more here before we uh, before we move on? Yeah, last one I just want to bring up, though, is, is someone I thought looked a lot better at the end of last year. And I, by no means am I going to say that he's a bust because – I was talking the same way about Josh Allen at one point. Like, these guys take time. But what we've seen from Haskins is really bad. I mean, I think he's like the least accurate quarterback in the league right now. His deep ball's terrible. He's not handling pressure well. I always say it takes a village to raise a quarterback, and his village has been on fire with malaria, you know, since he's been there. But he just looks terrible. I mean, he looks like he's playing as bad as any quarterback in the league. We said earlier this week, I think, because Washington won in week one, going into week four, they're tied for first place in the NFC East. They might not win another game the rest of the year because they don't look like a team that's going to run into a lot of victories. Their defensive line is good, and I think that's going to help them hang on a few times as long as their uh, rookie stays healthy. But uh, yeah, and a lot of it revolves around the quarterback, and you have to make that determination very quickly if you end up drafting high this year. Uh, And what we've seen the last two years 
he was drafted high, so it's hard to move on. I know, but uh, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm not seeing it with Dwayne Haskins like at all. Yeah, I, I'm not either, and that could change. And now Washington plays the Ravens. Uh, that's yeah. not going to go. And you well don't want to. You don't want to end up in the Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky zone where it's like, oh no, it, it, we're going to get it right with this quarterback, and you keep going, keep going, and maybe you build a nice defense, and now your quarterback's letting you down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I really wonder if the Giants, Jets, Redskins get that first overall pick, are they just going to move on? And then you get a Josh Rosen situation mm-hmm. or, you know. Maybe a precedent was set with the Cardinals where teams are going to be like, well, hey, look, look how good it worked over here. So, you know, once someone finally did it, they can be like, OK, now now we can all do this smart thing that we were always afraid to do. Yeah, right. I, 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 I mean, again, I like Haskins. It's always worried me that he's a heavy-footed guy. He's not a great athlete, and that worries me for any young quarterback and and how the league has moved. But you got to complete some passes. You got to be better than that. And him and Darnold, and to a lesser degree, Jones. I mean, some of these guys are really spiraling the wrong way. Right, and you know, only one year of production on a team that's better than everybody they play against. Um, mm-hmm. And look, this isn't to Barry Haskins. He he could still be no. in a, in a, a Pro Bowl quarterback, right? But Evidence we've seen right now. I agree with you. I mean, just if you take all the the talk aside and you just watch the tape, you'd say he's the worst quarterback in the league. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? uh, like yeah, he, no, I know what you just, mean. Just what's on video is terrible. All right, we are going to make picks tomorrow. Well, tomorrow, Chris Raybon of the Action Network is going to make picks. His best bet, his six-pack. I love our conversations on Thursdays with Chris Raybon. Start looking ahead to Sunday's games. And, of course, Friday, Matt and I will make all of our picks and our six-pack of best bets coming up on the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show.